0: hey y'all today's topic is women in the bible today we're going to talk about women in the bible to look up to the effect of women in the bible on our lives and the strength and role that women play in the bible and our christian society our christian society today today i'm with dr sandy gravett dr gravett could you share where you're from what you do and anything else you'd like to share with your listeners basically your journey
1: Okay, thanks. Uh, I am Sandy Gravitt and I was, I live in Greensboro, North Carolina now. I came to work at Appalachian State University a long time ago, uh, 25 years this year at Appalachian State. And I teach in the philosophy and religion department. My area is religious studies. I came to that work after I went to seminary at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and then I went to Duke University where I got my PhD in Hebrew Bible and Semitic studies and religion and culture. And then uh, I taught at Shaw Divinity School for a few years before I went to Appalachian State.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, So before we go into the topic for for today, Um, I wanted to share a verse. This comes from Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him for him. So um, I didn't really when I read this, I didn't really know where to start. So what do you think of and what comes to mind for you when you hear that verse?
1: Well, it's actually one of the most interesting verses in the second creation story in the book of Genesis. And I've got it pulled up in Hebrew right now in front of me because there are a couple of words that are really important in this verse. The first one is etzer, which is the word you translated helper. And the second is actually three Hebrew words, but it's it's uh, suitable for him in English. It's konegdo. And so what I wanted to say about that is when I read that verse, the first thing that comes to mind is that we tend to think of helper as a subordinate, like an assistant, right? right. But if you think about it in Hebrew, I would challenge you to look up Exodus chapter 18 verse four or Deuteronomy chapter 33 verses 26 or 29, because there is more common the way we, Think about the verb or the word etzer, which is in reference to God. So talk about the help that comes from God. And so etzer is not a subordinate figure. Rather, it's a figure that supports um, and nurtures and cares for and helps one through. And then the "kunegdo" is interesting because it's like over and against it and so the helper is one that is partnered perfectly to what the needs of this human being are, right? One last thing I would point out about this verse is at the time when it appears in the Hebrew, the human ha Adam is not sexually differentiated at this point. That is, right. you can translate it, it's the human doesn't have a partner fit for it Mm -hmm. you don't get the words ish and isha man and woman until after this point in the text right and
0: as you're saying that i get like the human when it says when it says a human like we're not made to do everything on our own and i think that's really important because i feel like we can kind of get this mindset that you know i'm strong and tough and i can just do this you know by myself but that's not true we can't do it on our own. Um, and I totally, when you said assistant, that's the very first thing that I thought of when I read this, I was like, what? Like, what do you mean a helper? So that's kind of why I picked that out. Um, but and I, and I also-
1: an agricultural economy like this one mm-hmm. because it was an agricultural economy where when you do that, everybody works. I mean, that's harder for mm-hmm. us to understand because we go to the grocery store to get our groceries. We don't tend to grow them in the same sort of way. Right. But in these sort of agricultural economies, the labor was divided between men and women. And you, everybody had to contribute.
0: Right, right.
1: The family didn't survive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was really good. Thank you. Um, So we're going to kind of go and do some questions. Um, So first one, kind of going deeper into your journey, why and when did you decide to go into the work that you do?
1: Um, That's kind of an interesting story, I think. Um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And like a lot of teenagers, I became pretty disenchanted with church. uh, probably by the time I was 14 or 15 because they weren't answering the questions that I had Um, and they weren't interested in answering my questions. So my parents in their infinite wisdom said, you know, it's okay if you don't want to go. And about the time I went to college, I started having some interest again and went back. Um, That church still could not answer my questions So I decided to go to seminary after I graduated. I thought, well, (laughs) I I figured out a place that could answer my questions. Um, All of my friends and parents thought I was insane. They could not imagine me in seminary. I was kind of a punk rock kid, and uh, they thought that in a Southern Baptist seminary wouldn't go very well. (laughs) But I went to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary Uh, This was in a very um, traumatic time for them. It was a lot of big questions about women in ministry that were going on at that time. There were lots of questions about the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention happening at that time. But it was the three best years of my life in many ways. Uh, I'd met people there that encouraged me, saw something in me that I had never seen myself, uh, began to recognize and call out gifts in teaching that I might have had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met a professor in my very first year who took me under his wing and mentored me. And it just, it was the most natural fit.
0: Mm, yeah, that's amazing. And I love, like you said, about questions. And I think sometimes I can do this, but I don't get the answer to a question. I just kind of give up. Mm-hmm. And I love how you continue to seek answers. And I find that um, very inspiring. So I just
1: wanted to point that out. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I think it's really important that, um, and I think it's related to what I do now because I still have questions all the time and it's my full-time job to think about them.
0: Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, So the next question, what women in the Bible did or do you look up to?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I think that there are lots of figures that I like for different reasons. Deborah is a very big figure for me. Um, I really appreciate her strength and her fortitude. I think she is bold and daring and unapologetic for who she is. And I I find that uh, really exciting. But then there are other figures of women that you don't hear much about. You just get a little glimpse of them that I find pretty exciting. Uh, One would be Junia in Romans chapter 16. uh, When Paul is saying hello to lots of different figures in the Roman church, he mentions Junia. And it's the only woman in the Bible that's called an apostle. Mm -hmm. And we don't know much about her. But we do know that there's a whole history of translation where they tried to make her a man because they could not imagine that a woman had been an apostle. Mm -hmm. Even though the early church fathers talk about her as an apostle, there's a whole translational sort of story about her where they tried to turn Mm -hmm. her name into a man's name because Mm -hmm. they couldn't imagine that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's women whose stories we hear there's women that we barely scratch the surface of knowing anything about them, um, yeah. and then there's extra biblical women like Judith yeah. or Susanna, um, who are in the intertestamental literature that I really also admire.
0: Wow, but yeah, that's amazing. And another thing for me was like, my name is Mariana, and so ever since I was little, and this might like this might seem like I guess the easy choice, but ever since I was little, I've just kind of felt this like. Connection, like to Mary, because I'm like, she has my name. Oh my gosh! So when I was little, I just kind of had this interest. And as I've learned more about Mary, as I've you know talked to my parents because they're both pastors, and as I've kind of done my own Bible reading, um I found a quality in Mary that I look up to because I can sometimes personally be very stubborn and very like, I'm gonna have it my way or no way. Like I'm just gonna you know like stick and be stubborn and yeah and Mary's willingness to basically be the mother of Jesus like her willingness to do what God asked her to do is something that I really look up to and really admire um so
1: yeah yeah I encourage you to look at Miriam too Mm -hmm. who you're also named for uh and if you Exodus chapter fifteen, when she sings the song of the sea, the act there just a couple of little verses, but scholars think that they're some of the oldest verses in the Bible that we have. Mm-hmm. And it's her singing the celebration of the people passing through the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. That's and super it's also cool. your namesake.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So this is kind of a broad question, this next one. So I can let you go kind of in any direction that you want to. Um, so what does God say about women in the Bible? Like, not like women in the Bible, women, comma, in the Bible. What does he say about women in general?
1: Let me see if I understand your question. So i yeah. sure that I understand what you're asking me. You want to know if there is sort of a unified voice about women's role or status in the Bible, is that what you're asking? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't, I I looked at this and I didn't really understand it because I just looked at it now, trying to think of what I meant when I wrote it. But um, like, I guess like, yeah, women's role, what God says about women's role.
1: Well, I would say that that changes. Because the Bible is a book that was composed over the course of many thousands of years. So you have the actual writing of the text, which is in and of itself over a long period of time. I mean, oh you know, hundreds and longer than the United States has been around to write any of this, you know, the Hebrew Bible. the New Testament was written in a shorter period of time, but you've got. All these different cultures and cultural influences that are influencing what's written. And so the status of women changes. You go from Mm -hmm. where women were in agricultural societies, where they were in nomadic societies, where they were in cities, where they were when you had the monarchy. And you've got to realize that we're talking primarily about, especially in the Hebrew Bible, not your average ordinary everyday women, but pretty important women. I mean, you think of some of the the key women, you're talking about women who are elite, women who are powerful uh, for the most part. That's another element of the story. And so even in the New Testament, you have over a course of a hundred years and the changing sort of first steps of Christianity you have the status of women changing in that period of time. Mm-hmm. So you go from texts where you have Paul going, say hi to Junia the apostle and and Phoebe, the deacon, the deacon at Sincre is carrying this letter to you, to women should be silent and learn in full submission and I permit no woman to have a voice. So, you know, how does that happen? How do you go know from she's a deacon, she's an apostle to women be quiet. That's within the course of, you know, just a couple of hundred years. Right, yeah. A couple hundred years, a couple of decades actually.
0: Right, and I feel like I haven't even thought of that, but yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Cause yeah, yeah.
1: Um, different so. so my answer is, you know, there, it's, it's 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 like anything else. There's all kinds of different pictures. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so why do you think it's so important to know these women in the Bible and to read about them and to hear about them and to learn from them?
1: Well, I'm teaching a class in it right now. And, uh, it's one of the things that I hear on an almost constant basis from my students is that they don't know these stories. They'll be like, I never knew about Dina, or I had never heard of Ya'el, or, you know, who is this woman that, you know, why do I not know these stories? Why have these stories never been told? Another thing that I hear from them all the time is this impression that the Bible has a very uniform picture of women and it's uniformly oppressive. And so they're a little bit surprised to see that that's not necessarily the case. And so I think um, for all readers, not just women readers, but for all readers, it's important to see women in the kinds of roles that they took and the contributions that women made. I mean, I'll go back to Deborah right at the get-go that I mentioned as one of my heroines. She's out fighting battles. She's leading the charge and taking on a role that was controversial in this country still is controversial in this country for women to be in the armed services and in leadership roles. And so I think, you know, when you say, well, but wait a minute, here it is thousands of years ago. And this is one of our, this is a woman who's lauded, who helped Israel come into the, to the country it was, it's it's an amazing sort of thing to hold up and to remind people of yeah. the contributions of women.
0: Right. Right. And I felt kind of like, you know, like, you know, just like, wow. Cause it made me realize when I was researching, I find a lot of stuff out about kind of things that I need to do to do better. I found a lot of stuff out when, when researching this part, pos- when researching for this podcast and specifically for this episode, I thought of women in the Bible that I knew and I came up with maybe four names. And then I thought about men in the Bible that I've heard about. And I've heard stories of, and like the list, it's like, you know, very long list. And it kind of made me realize, like, I don't think I personally am taking enough time to learn about these women who played some very influential roles very influential roles in the Bible. Um, so it was just something that I kind of had to reflect on myself um, about. So, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think sometimes it's, it's really easy to skip over them. One of my favorite stories is of Shiprah and Pua. And they're in the first chapter of the book of Exodus. And they are Hebrew midwives who were the ones that Pharaoh said, when the women are getting ready to deliver the babies, kill them, the the Israelite boys, and you can let the girls live. And these two women said, oh, you know, we're not gonna do that. And they stood up to the Pharaoh. They're named Shipra and Puah. Now, why would they remember their names if they weren't important? But they're literally named women that we never celebrate. Mm. Doing their doing what women do, helping other women deliver babies. And so it's it's those little pieces I love. I'll give you another one just real quick. Is Hulda. Hulda's one of my favorites too. They discover a law book in the temple. And this is the time period when Jeremiah is out there as a prophet. But they don't take this law book to Jeremiah to authenticate it. They take it to hold mm. Say, tell us if this is the law of God. Hold of the prophet. Right. You know, when have you heard of her? I actually, never. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Little celebratory moments, right?
0: Well, and as I was also reflecting on that and thinking about that, I was like, I kind of had, I'm somebody who internalizes a lot. So i had kind of internalized that kind of like, I'm only hearing about these men. And I kind of came up with this idea that even though like, you know, I like, I like to do big things. I have big dreams that I want to like accomplish them, but there's still like this voice in my head, even before like doing this podcast, like either I don't have a voice or my voice doesn't matter. And, um, I think part of that, not all of it, part of that is about like, you know, as somebody who's grown up in the church um, with both my parents being pastors at the church multiple times a week um, and reading the Bible a lot, I'm just not hearing about a lot of these women. And I think it's really important to remember there are women in the Bible who had a voice and had influence um, and there are women that I can look up to. um, And I think that's just something really important to remember and something that's really helped me out. Yeah.
1: yeah, because we like to see something of who we are reflected. And even when they don't, aren't given voices, sometimes it's important to see them and to see how they survived and what they went through in order to make their way. And I find that also really important to the story. Mm. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so what is your favorite story? Um, of a woman in the Bible, like not your most favorite, but one that really sticks out to you.
1: Oh, well, I probably don't want to talk about that. That's kind of a negative thing. Um, a story that sticks out to me. I would say I am going to talk about this because it's really, it was really important to me. I wrote my dissertation on women who were metaphors, metaphorical women. And they were metaphorical women who suffered quite a bit. And so for me, those were really important stories to hear because they cast a light on what happens to women in really difficult, painful situations where there's political upheaval, where there's Mm -hmm. war, where there's famine. And these cities are talked about in terms of being women. And these women are harmed in really powerful ways. And it helped open my eyes to the kinds of suffering that women around the world endure. And I found that to be really, a powerful piece for me as an American woman who is white and who has had so much privilege Mm -hmm. in her life to be able to find connection um, as a woman and to sort of recognize that place. And so for me, it's not as much as of an inspirational kind of piece as it is a piece of connection to stories that Mm that makes sense to you.
0: Yeah. And I even, I had another episode um, on mental health and toxic positivity that I did last season. Toxic positivity is basically like this kind of, I'm not going to talk about anything negative, anything that doesn't make me happy. And I love that you brought that up because it kind of made me like, it kind of brought to light the fact that like, you know, not every story about women in the Bible, like, you know, it's just like, happy. I'm just going to like, you know, there's some suffering in there that, like you said, we can find some connection with, not just inspiration, but like connection. So I really love that you brought that up.
1: Yeah, I did. I've done some work with women who are survivors of sexual assault and the stories Mm -hmm. of women in the Bible, women who are survivors of domestic disputes and their connection to the Bible. And it's been really powerful work because they've had to so to, to work with these very difficult images and to figure out how they still can relate to God in those mm-hmm. circumstances. And so I think that it's really important that we don't just stress the positive, but that we work mm-hmm. with some of the more painful and difficult moments too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, so what are some misconceptions that the church has about women? Um.
1: Yeah. There's a lot I know. Well, I think it's very different now. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you've grown up in a family where you've had an example to you that a lot of women a generation previously didn't have. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my very first memories of teaching at Appalachian was a student telling me that uh, they were a PK. And I said, your mom or your dad? And he got really excited and he says it's my mom and so and 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 i got a a a couple of days later he came back and said my mother was so excited that you did not assume that the preacher was a dad Mm -hmm. but it was i mean that's just a generation previous where if Mm -hmm. you said i'm a preacher's kid everybody would assume that the preacher was a man Mm -hmm. and and i think that you know, that's still a challenge for a number of women in the ministry. Um, right. I think it's still a challenge, less so than it was. But the authority, I mean, one of the things that I heard all the time growing up was, well, you have a much bigger voice than I thought you would have. I thought it difficult to hear you or I thought it would be difficult to understand you. I mean, I teach a Sunday school class right now. Um, and I'm teaching it currently, and it's mostly older adults, about a 100 people. And it's called the Young Men's Bible Class. And I'm putting young men's in quote because the young men's are 80, 80 and up, you know. But I'm the first woman who's regularly taught them. Wow. And never let a woman teach that class. And now I'm probably their, their most steady teacher, but it was a big jump for them to sort mm-hmm. of say, wow, we can learn from her. Yeah. And so I think that we're still sort of finding our footing as leaders yeah. and as figures that people say, oh, yeah, you know, they know how to do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the first woman tenured at Appalachian State University in religious yeah. studies. Um, You know, there was one woman previous to me, but the first biblical studies person, it's, again, these are, these are still milestones.
0: Yeah. And I like, as somebody who has seen my mom, like as a pastor, and hearing about things that people have said to her, either behind her back or to her face, um, and it actually now it it made me, it still makes me kind of very mad. I'm like, kind of people saying what she's doing, like she's been heard. She's heard before, like what she's doing is a sin. Um, Like preaching is a sin for her. And I know my, I know my mom and my mom is one of the best preachers that I know. And I've seen God work through her and her sermons. And so kind of getting past the fact that my mother being a preacher is not sinful god she is doing her work in god's kingdom um but as somebody who's kind of seen that um kind of thing been done to my mom i'm very kind of passionate about like my mom belongs in the church it's where she feels called to be, and she needs to feel welcomed and like she belongs there. Um, so that's.
1: It's really important because I grew up in a church where, and to this day, women still cannot be ordained. They cannot preach. Um, they would not allow me to teach men. They would allow me to teach young boys, but they would not allow me to teach men um, t- tomorrow, tomorrow in spite of every qualification that I have. And it's, it's painful. I mean, it's because these are the people that taught me to love the Bible the way that I do. And they say, no, you can't do that here. Yeah. And um, so I think there's, there's still challenges out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I wanted to point out a story. My dad actually pointed out this for me, so I put it into a question. Um, can you explain um, the tent and judges?
1: <laughs> I wish I could see your dad <laughs> right now because it's um, that's a it's a it's a difficult sort of story with Ya'el. Um, I think one of the things that this story is about is. Um, A very typical trope in the Bible, which is women using their sexuality, their beauty, their uh, allure to bring men into dangerous situations. Now, in this case, Yael does it in service of Israel. So Mm -hmm. she's a celebrated figure in some ways. But in other ways, um, it's seen as a big negative. And so you always have to take that kind of dual-edged sword, um, Sword's an, an ironic version of this uh, thing, because it made me think of the story of Judith, another heroine of Israel, who basically, you know, seduces a general and then, you know, slices his head off with a big sword. Um, and it's, 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 an amazing story. And then, you know, comes out with his head in a bag and takes it home and puts it on a tent peg. So it's, you have these kinds of stories where women are celebrated for that allure and that use. But then of course you have so many stories where women are not celebrated for that. Yeah. yeah. So I might not be answering your question, but, uh, that's good. That, that story is a, is a bit of, of an X-rated story in some way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah dad is over here laughing and giving giving me the thumbs up because he was the one who asked me out ask this question and i just didn't ask any questions about it uh, <laughs> so i just you know yeah. um but uh the next one what are some ways um that you think women's role has changed from the bible to our world now
1: well i think that there are lots of ways where women's roles have changed I I think that our culture has changed in some pretty Mm -hmm. phenomenal ways. And so Mm -hmm. your options are more. I mean, when you first start thinking about the kinds of women that we were talking about in Genesis in your verse and those roles, you had women who had to be in families in order to survive and they had to have relationships to men in order to make their way. I mean, you're talking about societies where you didn't have police and fire and all of those things. And so you had to be part of a community. And if you were not and you knew the pecking order in that community. And so if you were not allied to the community in the right way, you were in danger. I think of Ruth and Naomi in that regard.
0: I was, yeah, I was about to bring that up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah they were, you know, all left without men. And so one of their big things was how do you attach back to a household with men in it in order to keep going and survive? Because when you're outside of that social system, you didn't survive. Mm-hmm. And so while things got somewhat better for women, um, you know, over the course of time, even within the biblical period, it was, I think women now have the ability to be autonomous To make their own way. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be married in a family, in a traditional relationship. I mean, those are Mm -hmm. wonderful things if that's what you choose, but then there are options for you to earn your own money, make your own way, establish your own living, um, rise up in power in different ways. Those Mm -hmm. things were not as available to women as they are now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was not even joking. I was thinking about Ruth and Naomi, but I was thinking about how women's role, like you said, is like changed. And I think we think that it's changed so drastically. But I know women in my life where I still have kind of that same connection that Ruth and Naomi had to each other. Um and I think that's super cool. Um because I feel a lot like how I feel with my mom. I can feel like some kind of connection from Ruth and Naomi. I think that's so cool that I can connect in some way to women in the Bible, even though that was such a long time ago, like
1: such like such different worlds.
0: Um, but yeah. you know, one
1: of the things you see is like Dina, for instance, in Genesis 34, is going out to be with the women of the land, mm-hmm. you know, when first gets in trouble with Shechem. You see those kinds of stories over and over again, ministry pairs that are two women. Again, Romans 16, mentioning two women in pairs. So I think you see those kinds of relationships. Think about at the cross of Jesus and at the resurrection, all the women at the cross, all the women at the tomb, You know, they were together, they were communities of women together. And so I think those relationships are there.
0: Yeah, and going back to what I said at the beginning of, like, not being alone, and how you said, like, humans not being alone, a community of women can be a very powerful thing. Um, Yeah, yeah. and I think that's sometimes overlooked. Um, Yeah, but there is, like, there's so many, like, there's so much evidence in the Bible that, and like you said, the women um, at the tomb, and like Ruth and Naomi, like there's women in community it's a powerful thing. Um, So this is, I don't, I had, I was just wondering this. So this is more of a personal question than anything. How did women's role change from the New Testament to the Old Testament? And do you think it changed at all?
1: There are, there are really difficult questions to answer about that. Because again, I'm going to go back to something that I said. You know, you're talking in the Hebrew Bible about a thousand years of of composition, and you're talking about, you know, other stories even before that. So they're being repeated down. So, of course, roles changed. But I think people in Christian circles tend to do this well, there was the Old Testament where everything was awful. And then there's the New Testament where everything is goodness and light and joy and freedom. And that's not true either. Um, I think that you saw very powerful women in um, the Hebrew Bible. You saw, we have evidence that women in the Jewish synagogues at the time of Jesus held some positions of power and authority that you know, sort of surprise people who are always thinking about, oh, women were so oppressed and they were not. Um, And then I think in the New Testament, you have a little bit of a mixed bag too, because you have some women who have really powerful roles and you clearly have women who were incredibly important to the founding of the early church, even though their Mm stories are only hinted at here and there. Um, I think we underplay the fact that the first woman, the first witness to the resurrection in all four Gospels was Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. She's the only woman she's mentioned in all four Gospels. And it's like the church would not have told that story if it didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, if people didn't remember that she was first, I mean, she's mentioned with other women, but if, you know, and then that cast of characters change, But if she hadn't been the first, the church wouldn't have told the story that way. That didn't serve them any good. But they do tell the story that way. And then you have these little hints, like in Luke 8, the very beginning, when it says the women who were traveling with Jesus and supporting him from their means, it's a great sign of what was happening in the first church when women who were heads of household, who were widows predominantly, who had means were attracted to Christianity and they were financially underwriting it, and financially underwriting Paul. Paul talks about these women as being supporters of his and he means financial supporters. And I think that that's a piece too that we miss. And so there's a consistency between the roles, but there's also that cultural change and development that we have to account for.
0: Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Um, so yeah, thank you. Um, so my last question, I ask this at every, like every single podcast that I do, even my season one episodes. So if Jesus was sitting right here, like in the flesh with us right now, like if He feel sitting right beside me, um, what do you think he will say to women of faith?
1: Stay with it. um, you know, Jesus is, was in many ways absolutely amazing to women, with women, for women. Um, you know, there are ways in which Jesus was a man of his time. But, I, you know, there are so many stories of Jesus's encounters with women that I adore. Uh, one of the things, one of the ones that always sticks out to me is the woman who had the bleeding disorder and she wanted just to touch the, the fringes of his garment. She didn't want anything other than that. And she does it and he feels that. And he's determined in this crowd pressing on him to find out who touched him because, and he does. And she's so worried that she's done something wrong, all he wanted to do was to see her, acknowledge her, put his eyes on her, and speak with her. And so to me, it's, it's a great story to say, you know, Jesus always has his eyes on the men, men and women. And, you know, Jesus always has his eyes on those who are following him, on those who mm-hmm. are around him. And so for women, I think if Jesus was sitting right here, he would, he would want to say, you know, keep following me, keep being part of who we are, because you've been an important part of the past. You're in, you were important then, you're important now. And I think sometimes we need to hear that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So something that I really got out of that, thank you so much for saying that, like, To any of the girls listening right now, because I know that the majority of my audience um, are women and girls, Um, Jesus sees you. And not only that, he wants to see you. Um, So, yeah, let yourself be seen.
1: Let yourself be seen. That's a great way of putting it. That's perfect. Let yourself be seen.
0: Thank you. Um, so if you have any closing words, now would be the time to do that. And we can go ahead and wrap up beyond that.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to chat with you today. It's just (laughs) been my pleasure to share something that means so much to me in my life with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for your wisdom that you shared today. Um, I got a lot, I got a lot out of it. Um, I hope that Uh, Whoever's listening right now, I hope that you got something out of it too. Um, So thank you for listening.